Welcome to the Beyond Ordinary Woman podcast. Every two weeks, we'll post a podcast version of one of our free training videos, but you can access them now at beyondordinarywomen.org. This episode or series includes downloadable information on our website, beyondordinarywomen.org. Go to resources on the main menu and click on podcast slash video extras. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Beyond Ordinary Women podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. I'm Kelly Araby. Um, I'm one of the team members here at Beyond Ordinary Women. And today we are so glad to have Jody Nisnik with us as our guest. Um, Jody is a pastor by training and by heart. She served on the pastoral team at a large church in the Dallas area for over a decade. Uh, Jody holds a master's degree from Dallas Seminary. And we are just so excited to have you with us today. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you, Kelly. It's great to be here. So today we are talking about soul care and three simple practices to help us embrace God's good pace. Jody, tell us a little bit about your personal story and how that is impacted by our topic. Yeah. So I think my story starts when I was just finishing seminary and I got hired to be a pastor at the church that you mentioned, and it was a very big full-time job. And so I was finishing my master's degree. I was in this new environment where I was given minister responsibilities. And I really wanted to steward that. Well, I wanted to care for God's people. Well, and I also really wanted to be a good employee. And so I wanted to be really responsive to my boss and all the things that they needed. And in the midst of that, I still had all the other things of life happening. I had two children that were young middle schoolers and we moved. And so if, if, if it was happening in my life, it was this crucible moment for me that it was happening in that season. So it became this very compounded, extremely busy and stressful season. And I was really, I mean, we all know the story, right? When you get that busy for that long, you start to face burnout. And so that is where I was. And I was Believing that God had invited me to get my degree, believing God had invited me to this position, and yet I couldn't reconcile how to do it all with the resources that I had available to me. And so it was just a season of of growing more and more weary. And in that season, uh, somebody introduced me to an author that I imagine many of us know and love, and her name is Ruth Haley Barton. And she had written a book called Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership, which I cannot recommend more highly enough than just please read it. It's an excellent book. But in that book, she talked about caring for our soul in the midst of busyness. And her story was very similar to mine, a woman in ministry just burning out. And so she talked about soul care practices, and I started to really want to embrace the hope that she was speaking of. And I wanted to live into that hope. Uh, and so I, I started to believe, well, Jesus knows what he's invited me to do. And he knows the resources I have available. And I don't think he wants me to burn out. I think that's actually 
something the enemy is putting in front of me, not the Lord. And so I started to have to really embrace some specific soul care practices and the three that we're going to talk about. I, I really needed to just embrace those to help me settle in a little bit. So the, I, I started doing silence, uh, meditation, and then a practice called the daily examine were really lifelines for me in that season. So would you say that those are what, you know, what changed things for you? Would you say it was those practices or Well, I think it was a whole almost theology shift for me in some ways. I think it was the practices previously, my spiritual practice toolbox was Bible study and prayer. And I think those are amazing. And I encourage all of us to be intentional Bible students and, and diligent about prayer. And yet I, I thought that that if I worked harder, then I would get the rest that I needed. And what, what the theology shift for me was that God was inviting me to see that that has never been his invitation. In fact, I was reading this morning in Exodus 16. That's where my Bible reading had me ironically, which is when the Israelites have been removed from slavery and they're in the desert and they start to grumble about not having food. And so God provides food for them every day. And then on the Sabbath, he tells them, no, this is a day of rest. And so he's telling these people that had been previously entrenched in slavery, I want you to stop working for a day. This went against every fiber of their being because they had been forced to work. If they didn't work, they, you know, they were abused or I have no idea what actually, how they were specifically treated, but I can imagine that it was not good. And so God was saying, no, I want you to, to live differently. In fact, this is how I've created you. And we can go all the way back into the garden and we see that God gave limits to creation. He gave limits to humanity. And this was before the fall. So limits are not something that became imposed on us as a result of sin. Limits were actually God's good design all along. He puts mm -hmm. limits on the day and the night. He puts limits on the season. He invites us to rest when it is night. And so he designed his world to function that way. And so that's where I started to have this theology shift. I love Matthew 11, 28 through 30. And I especially love it in the message translation. So I'd love to read it because I think that this is where a lot of us, especially women in ministry struggle. And I think Eugene Peterson has done a beautiful job of translating this passage for us. And it says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And I had to decide, do I believe Jesus? Do I believe that these words are true and that he is inviting me to live in this unforced rhythm of grace. Do I believe that? Do I believe that he's offering a free and light way of living? And so that's where, yes, the practices 
were part of that, but it was the theology shift. The pre the practices actually moved that head knowledge down into my heart and helped me practice with my hands, so to speak, these new thoughts and beliefs and help me live into trusting that what Jesus says is true. Mm. And what did that look like? Um, you mentioned three specific practices that you started to incorporate. What did, what did that look like for you? Yeah. So I think it looked like sitting in silence to start my day and, and whether it was two minutes or five minutes, but, or longer, if I had it, I suppose, but really it was, it was taking a moment to just sit and be still and untether myself from the agenda that I had set and, and kind of reattach myself to God and just being in his presence. And so that was the beginning of it. And then I moved into meditation and we can kind of get into each of these practices a little bit more, but then meditation also helped me slow down. You know, Bible study was all about achieving, you know, digging in, knowing the words and, and meditation was about receiving. And then the examine was about helping me do this and examine is a prayer practice really of noticing it's the practice of paying attention. And so I started to do this practice of examine to help me see where is God in my life right now? And how do I need to respond to him versus again, just, you know, pushing, blazing past, checking all the boxes on my agenda and really trusting him much like the Israelites had to do on that sixth day when he provided a double portion of manna that he would give me everything I needed in the situation that I was in no more and no less. He would give me everything I needed. And so all of these practices helped me just start to em almost embody the truth that I, I could live, I could live differently and it would be pleasing to God and it would be helpful mm. for me and my soul physically and emotionally and spiritually. Yes. So if, if someone is just starting out and they want to incorporate silence into their uh, relationship with God, uh, what would you tell somebody starting out? What does it look like uh, for a beginner? Yeah. So I think silence really is the embodying of Psalm 46, 10, be still and know that I am God. So there's this process of really just sitting in the presence of God without an agenda. You know, a lot of times we go to prayer and we have the long list of things that we are asking of God. And of course we're praising him and we're doing all of these other things, but stillness in my, how I practice stillness is closing my eyes, putting my hands open in my lap. I set a timer on my phone so that I don't peek at the clock and wonder how long is it? Is it been 30 minutes? Has it been 20 seconds? What's happening? And so I, I can kind of disengage from the time piece of it. And I just sit and I imagine being in the presence of God, just resting in his presence. I'm not requesting anything of him. I'm not requiring of anything of him. I'm just trying to practice being in the presence of God, which is amazing when you think about it. 
the creator of the universe invites us to just come and be still in his presence. So that's how you practice it. It, you know, the thing, the reasons why I think we practice it is one, it's unproductive. And I think we need, and I put that in air quotes, it is quote unquote unproductive. It's actually not, I think it's actually incredibly productive for our souls, but it's not, it's not as the world says, says production is. Mm -hmm. So what that does for me is it reminds me that God does not value me for what I am producing. Again, it helps me be in his presence. And then it also helps me reorder my soul and my agenda to hopefully match his, his agenda. So the other thing about this, that I would encourage somebody that's new to this practice is be gracious with yourself. Anytime we start something new, we're not good at it. So don't expect yourself to be awesome at silence yeah. initially. It's something that we have to train ourselves much like, you know, I can't walk out my door and go run a marathon. I, I would not make it. I also can't just sit in silence for an extended period of time, unless I've trained myself to know how to do it. So that's one thing, be gracious with yourself. The other thing is grab a, a short passage that you can recenter yourself on because what will happen to you inevitably when you try to practice silence is all these crazy thoughts will come into your brain. <laughs> so I start thinking about things like stuff that's in my attic, I, you know, things that I must go and get from the store right away for a meal that I just dreamed up making. Uh, it's, it's just all kinds of crazy things that really aren't necessary to do in that moment. And some of them aren't necessary at all. And so I, the other thing I do is I just write down in the back of my journal, I have a, a notes page and you know, the funny thing is I'll get to the end of that journal and I look at that page and it is nothing important, nothing important, but I've dumped it from my brain so that if it is important, I don't have to worry about it. It'll right. be there. So, you know, find a verse that helps you refocus once you've dumped that thing. And maybe it's the Psalm 46, 10, be still and know that I'm God. Another one I love is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. And a lot of times I'll just say, I have all I need. I have all I need. Mm. So just kind of that recentering and then sitting still in silence again. So those are some, those are some tips for how to practice it and, and even why I think it's been helpful for me and, and Christians for generations will tell you that as well. Yeah. I know in my own life, uh, the timer was in, was really helpful at the beginning and, and also the notebook just to be able to write down those stray thoughts. You know, it's like, once it's on paper, you don't have to think about it again and you can focus on the presence of God and silence. Mm -hmm. So, so mm -hmm. what is silence? Has it evolved for you? What does it look like today for you to practice silence? Because you've been doing this a while. Yeah. I think for me, it really is just recognizing when I'm maybe spiraling a little bit and getting either you could call it anxiety or, um, jumpiness stress. And so it's in those moments then that I just, you know, close my eyes, turn my chair away from my desk and just sit for a minute and remember, Oh, God has all of this under control. Mm -hmm. 
and he will give me everything I need to do everything he is asking me to do. And so today it looks like, well, I start my day with just a few moments of, I love it. Actually, I drink my coffee and I look out my window and I look at the trees and I just sit for a minute and I just notice the world Mm. and, and, you know, there's no, there's nothing about it. And I'm just thanking God for, you know, the way the sky looks at that moment and just sitting and drinking my coffee. And it's actually this very sweet, comforting time. Yeah. Unproductive. If, you know, people would tell me you're just wasting time. No, I'm not. I know I'm not wasting time. I'm being in the presence of God without trying to produce anything. So that's, that's kind of how it looks for me today. Those two ways. So let's talk a little bit about meditation. I think that was the second practice that you mentioned. How is Christian meditation different from other forms of meditation? Because we hear about meditation in a lot of different contexts. Yeah. And I love that brain science is really reinforcing that meditation is good for us. And I think the first thing we as Christians need to do is reclaim meditation as a Christian practice. This is not a good idea. This is God's idea. God talks about meditation multiple times in scripture. Let me give you a few examples. Joshua 1, 8 says, keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditate on it day and night. Psalm one says that those who meditate on his law day and night, we're like trees planted by streams of water. Psalm 1914, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart. And then I think we go into the new Testament and we see Paul echoes this in Philippians four, when he says, you know, finally, brothers, whatever brothers and sisters, whatever is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, anything that is excellent and praiseworthy, think about those things. So first of all, that's God's idea. And that's just a handful of common scriptures that you've probably all heard before, which talk about meditation. So the world's view of meditation is actually emptying ourselves and trying to become empty. God's view of meditation is focusing our mind on the truth of God and letting that become our focus instead of whatever else is, you know, kind of coming at us, whether it's, it's stress or anxiety or fears, any of those things, when we turn our mind, like, like Paul says, and we think about the things that are true and noble and right and lovely, all of those things, we are meditating on the things of God. And so it is really God's design and brain science, as I was saying just a minute ago, has caught up with us on this and that meditation, focusing our mind, actually studies are done. Brain scans are done where they can see the brain physically changes. This is how God has designed us and created us. Uh, there's a, something called the me center of the brain, which is where all of our jumpy thoughts come from. And that me center of the brain actually gets, you know, smaller and more, more tame when we meditate, meaning that we're able to focus for longer. We're able to be more calm. And so there's all kinds of brain science that backs up. This is the way God designed us. He wants us to meditate on his word day and night. 
So what does that look like for you? Uh, what does your practice of meditation look like? Yeah, well, I think there's two ways to meditate that I have found very helpful. I'm sure there are many ways, but two ways to meditate that are helpful. One is the memorization of scripture. So actually committing God's word to memory. And there's lots of tools that you can do for memorization. And they're really great tools that have been helpful for me because I always believed I can't memorize. I can't, my brain's broken that way. That is not true. That was a lie that I was telling myself. Mm -hmm. There are lots of tools and tricks for memorizing. And I have found that when I memorize that's I'm doing exactly what God is asking us to do. I am focusing my mind on scripture. Um, the second way that I have really found helpful is a practice called Lectio Divina. This is a practice that dates back to a fifth century monk, St. Benedict of Nursia. And it was, it's this taking a small passage of scripture and reading it repetitively. It's actually four readings of scripture. You rest, kind of prepare your heart, mind, and soul. You receive the first reading of scripture just to know where the passage is going. Then you ask the spirit, help me notice a word or a phrase or an idea in the passage. And so in that second or that, yeah, that second reading, we see what, what just kind of seems to grab our attention above the other words. And then the third reading, we say, okay, Lord, why did you have me notice that? And what do you want me to do about it? So this is basically inviting the living and active word and the spirit that indwells in us to help us connect those two things. We are living and active. The word is living and active. Every time we open God's word, we can be expectant that the word will shape and form us and transform us. And this meditation process is really a way to help us become more aware of what the spirit is doing. So in that third reading, you do say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? Is there a sin I need to confess? Is there a step of trust to take? Is there a command I need to obey? Do I just need to worship you because you are God? What is it that you are inviting me into? Then you have a time where you just talk to God about whatever he's invited you into. And then there's a fourth reading that is a rest reading, uh, remembering who God has made us to be, remembering what he's done for us, remembering that he loves us unconditionally. And we receive that scripture one more time with the posture of rest. So that is a meditative process, helping us to slow down, focus on a few words of scripture, not a large passage of scripture and notice what it is the spirit has for us. And again, it's just, it's focusing, focusing our brain on the things that are true about God. And I love that we, our audience needs to know that you also have your own podcast. It's called so much more creating space for God. And I love that you walk your audience through this, um, on a weekly basis, you offer meditation Mondays and you walk us through that process of Lectio Divina. Mm -hmm. um, is that, what, what does that look like for you? Are there different ways that you, you incorporate meditation into your daily practice? Well, Lectio Divina just became such an important practice for me. I would say the first time I experienced it, which was probably 10 years or so ago, I was, I mean, I was everything that Matthew 11 passage says, I was burned out, worn out on religion. 
And the word of God had become really an academic endeavor for me. And that's coming out of seminary. A lot of people from seminary know that that is true. When, when you attach grades and papers to all the things of God, it, it, it does a little bit of a funny thing to your heart with God's word. And so I had to kind of pull back from that. And this practice of Lectio Divina made the word of God come alive to me, made the love of God come alive to me mm-hmm. and really rejuvenated my relationship with the Lord. And so the first time I experienced it, I was blown away that mm-hmm. the spirit had something to say to me in a passage of scripture. I had probably read a hundred times and probably written a theological paper on. It. And all of a sudden <laughs> the spirit just like pierced my heart right. with a truth that he wanted me to know. And it was the most beautiful, loving thing he could have done for me in that moment. And it was as if, <laughs> you know, the hardness of my heart, like it was as if this shell just started to fall away and I could know the spirit again. And I could read the word of God again. And all the reasons that I went to seminary and fell in love with the Lord and wanted to be a pastor to shepherd other people into his presence came back to life for me. So this, I cannot underestimate how important this practice has been in my life and in my relationship with the Lord. So then as I kept practicing it, the Lord invited me to start doing it for groups of people. And I would lead people through this Lectio process and the same thing would happen to them. And they would come up to me afterward and say, when can we do this again? I want to hear God's word like this again. I want to have this kind of encounter with the Lord again. And I just thought, well, how could I do that? I mean, podcasting, I could do that. So I started doing this Lectio Divina process through the podcast just to invite people in to hear God's word as an addition to what they are already practicing in their relationship with the Lord. This is not to be the only thing that people do in their relationship with the Lord. We still need to study God's word. We still need to know all the context and, and, you know, rightly applying and reading his word so that, you know, we're not taking anything out of context. I'm a huge fan of that. I know you are too, Kelly. (laughs) We, we, as you know, we, we love the word of God and we love it rightly applied into our lives. And yet sometimes I think when we get so heady into our study, it doesn't actually make its way down to our heart and it doesn't make its way into the practical application of what does this mean for me today? Lord, what do you want me to know about my life right now and how you're inviting me to live with you? Yeah. And I would just echo how transformational that was. I know for me personally, there's something in the brain about hearing it versus reading it. And I don't understand all the science behind it, but I know that my particular practice of Bible study methods and my particular way of looking at scripture, once I, once I had walked with someone else through the process of Lectio Divina and allowing them to minister to me in that way, hearing the scriptures read And going through that process that you described, it was, it was transformational. Mm -hmm. It was, it was like water on my soul. It, it just opened up the word of God in a completely different way. And there's also something just very precious about allowing someone else to lead you through 
Um, yes, we can study the scriptures for ourselves. Yes, that is huge. And why you and I both chose to study and, you know, go to graduate studies for, for the Bible, but being led through scripture in that way. And I just want to say, thank you. It is a mm-hmm. beautiful gift that you offer to, to us, to be able to lead us through that and to put that out there uh, every Monday. So I'm, mm. I'm really looking forward to participating in that more. Yeah, I, it is, it is a high privilege to read God's word for people. And I do not every, every time I sit in front of this microphone, I actually sit in this space right here and read God's word. I, I don't take it lightly. I think, yeah, it's just a privilege. I'm thankful that the Lord is allowing me to, to be in ministry in this, this way, in this season. Yeah. So thanks for your encouragement. Absolutely. So let's, let's talk, we've talked about silence and meditation. Let's talk about the concept of of examine. This might not be familiar to our audience, but this is also a practice that was transformational for me personally. Mm -hmm. So I would love to hear your take on it and how that has been incorporated into your walk with God. Yeah. So the practice of examine is another ancient practice that we have gone back to, you know, some of the, those, the saints that have gone before us and we have brought it into our modern day practice. It's really a prayer practice, the prayer of examine it's attributed to the fifth century St. Ignatius of Loyola. And it's really a tool to help us notice and discern God's movement in our lives. So the practice of examine is you choose a time every day, the same time of day, usually to, because you're reflecting back over the last, last 24 hours, and you're then looking forward to the next, you know, set of time. And the, this whole process is really intentionally noticing God and intentionally paying attention to our lives. Because I think a lot of times we, we can just blaze through and little things happen in our day. And unless we stop to notice and really examine what God is doing, we'll, it'll just get thrown into the pile of, of things that are not noticed, which is many things in our lives. And so this prayer of examine really is taking a set of questions. I have five questions that I tend to use and they help me be thankful for what happened over the last 24 hours. And then they help me notice what was life-giving, what was life draining, what was, where was God moving and inviting me to do something? And did I resist him or not? And then what do I feel like God is inviting me into over the next 24 hours or longer moving forward? So it's, I think when you do this repetitive process, there's nothing magic about any of this, right? I mean, this is, this is us being intentional with the spirit's help, asking him, help me. What did you want me to notice about the last 24 hours? Very spirit dependent practice as all of them are right. And as we write these things down day after day, after day, we start to notice intentional nudges, intentional arrows pointing us in a direction. For me, this is a really good practice whenever I'm trying to make a decision. So I don't do the examine every day, all the time. This is not, this is kind of a a practice that I seasonally pick up when I feel like, oh, I feel like God's 
moving, inviting. There, there feels like something's going on and I can't quite put my fingers on it. So this is really a discernment and noticing tool that I pick up and use as needed. Okay. So it, it sounds like journaling is part of the examine for you as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Journaling is part of the examine and I like to do the examine in its own place. So writing down the five questions that I use and you can go online and you can Google examine. I can, you know, I kind of gave you the five questions that I use about what was energizing or life draining. What has my physical body been telling me? What am I most grateful for over the last 24 hours? And where did I feel the Lord leading? And so I write those questions down and then I day after day answer them so that I can see the answers all stacked up with each other, very close together. And I, then that's when I can start to see the rhythms and the patterns of things that are happening in my life. So the question about what, what's been life draining or where did I feel the least energy today? That's actually a really telling question for me, because usually those life draining things are where God is inviting me to make a change. Now, there are things in our life that we have to do chores, like the laundry, if the laundry is life draining to you, I mean, I suppose you can just wear dirty clothes for the rest of your life, but I don't recommend it. Like there are some, but, but maybe what could we do to make that less life draining? Why is it that it's so life draining? Is it, we're trying to add it in to a very busy day. We're trying to do it when we're really exhausted. We're, you know, what, what is it about these life draining things because some of them we can't get rid of. What is it that we could do to help us adjust that so that it's not so draining on us? So I think it, 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 but it, but in general, there's other things in our life that are life draining that I start to see over and over. And I realize, oh, this is an invitation to make a change. This is not stop doing it well. And sometimes it is actually, it's time for you to stop doing that thing because God is inviting me to actually spend my energy doing something else. I mean, this goes back to John 10, 10, mm. where Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full or have it abundantly. Again, do we believe Jesus? Do we believe this truth about our lives? And I, I, I think we, we do. And so what does abundant life look like? Well, if 90% of our day is life draining to us, Mm -hmm. that's not abundant living right now. Again, there are seasons, there, there are times, exceptions, all the things, but in general, I don't think that is what God invites us to. Right. I want to let our audience know that the questions that Jody has offered us for examine the five questions that she shared, we are going to create as a document and make it available in our video podcast extras. If you go to the resource tab on beyondordinarywomen.org, there's a drop down menu and you can click on podcast video extras. So we'll make that available. Thank you. I think those are incredible questions to be able to ask yourself. And all of these practices are for the purpose, I think this is really important, for the purpose of relationship with God. They're not, some people use the word discipline. Uh, For some people, the word discipline carries a really uh, negative connotation. Mm -hmm. And so I, I like the word practice that you've used as well, just to be able to grow in our relationship with God. So I'm going to guess that you've been practicing these for some time. 
what does your relationship with God look like today? Mm. When you compare the snapshot of today to the snapshot of whatever it was 10 years ago yeah. or what, are, what is, what's the difference? Yeah, I, I would, it, it's not even close to the same. I feel that I have embraced knowing what my limits are because I believe God has given me good limits and I want to live into the way that he is inviting me. So it, when I read scriptures like John 10, 10 about abundant living, when I, you know, read Matthew 11 about, you know, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Mm -hmm. I have decided, I believe those things and I will live that way. And so when my life gets overly busy, I have to ask, is this a season? Because there are seasons of busyness. That's true. You know, sometimes we have people that we're caring for that have needs. And that is that is a, a season that we're in. But if the season never ends, then it's become a lifestyle and it's mm -hmm. no longer a season. So for me, I realize that yes, I may come into busy seasons. But if I don't see that there will be an end to that season, uh, then I need to make some adjustments. And that's really what I do. I'm, you know, ruthlessly eliminating things out of my life, believing that God does not invite me to overextend myself as a habit. Instead, he invites me to live at this unforced rhythm of grace, as Eugene Peterson calls it. And that rhythm of grace is walking in step with Jesus, really trusting him, listening to him. And, and to me, it means saying no to a lot of things actually, because I believe that the yeses God has put in front of me are fruitful. Yeses, the yeses that I put in front of me, they actually aren't going to yield the fruit that Jesus can do in my life. In fact, they're going to, they're going to be burdensome and wearying. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. And I just want to let our audience know they can find you. You have a website, a jodynisnik.com, J-O-D-I-E-N-I-Z-N-I-K. And uh, Jody is offering a free guided journal right now um, on her website, as well as she's written several Bible studies on the lives of Moses and Joseph and Peter and Jonah and Esther. And those Bible studies are just wonderful. They, they are very grounded in scripture and yet also incorporate uh, spiritual practices and spiritual formation elements that really are designed to help us grow in our knowledge of God, but also in our relationship with God. And so I really have appreciated those studies as well. Jody also has a podcast on that you can probably find on any podcast platform. It's called So Much More, Creating Space for God. And again, I think she releases, I think you release every Monday and Wednesday. Uh, Monday's Meditation Monday and Wednesday is a conversation that relates to the meditation from Monday. So those are, are really great. And you can also find a lot of resources on beyondordinarywomen.org. We have um, many soul care resources. If today's conversation has blessed you, you can find more conversations on soul care and more leadership resources. We are really, we care about resourcing women in leadership. 
And so we offer a lot of resources on our website, beyondordinarywomen.org. Jody, would you close us today praying for our audience mm-hmm. and just helping us center with God? Mm-hmm. Lord, I really want to pray for the woman that feels very weary right now and doesn't know how to find her way out of that weariness, but believes your word and believes your invitation. Lord, I, I just pray that you would give her one small restful next step to take. Lord, I pray for all of us that we would believe what you have said is true. And so Lord, would you lead and guide us to live in step with you in this restful pace with you, believing that you have invited us to so much more than we've ever dreamed or imagined, but it's more because of you, not because of us. So Lord, we want to open our hands to you and our hearts to you and our souls to you even more. Would you guide and lead us into the abundant life that you have promised us? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Kelly. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Beyond Ordinary Women podcast. You can find more podcast episodes and resources for women in leadership by going to beyondordinarywomen.org. This podcast is produced by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministry. Our production team includes Evelyn Babcock, Kay Daigle, Deborah Herring, and Sharifa Stevens. Theme music, Back in Stride by Don Miller, used courtesy of Christine Miller.